If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast. My name is Katie Cho, a third-year psychiatry resident at Kirk Corian School of Medicine at UNLV. Today, we will be reading a case from the Psychiatry Morning Report Beyond the Pearls book, reviewing schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders. Now, let's begin. A 20-year-old male presents to the Psychiatric Emergency Service with a one-month history of bizarre behavior. His family reports that during the last month, the patient has become paranoid, religiously preoccupied, and has been walking around the house naked. The patient is a college student and was admitted to a psychiatric hospital three weeks ago with psychotic symptoms that were believed to be secondary to stress from finals. He was hospitalized for three days, started on olanzapine, and discharged home after symptoms quickly resolved. Upon discharge from the hospital, the patient stopped taking medication. He did well for approximately one week, but then became symptomatic again. For the past two days, he has not been sleeping, has been constantly pacing the house, and has been very paranoid. The patient's father attempted to drive him to the emergency room, but the patient was uncooperative and tried to exit the vehicle multiple times, leading to a motor vehicle crash. What additional information would you like to know about this patient? A good history is essential when a patient is being evaluated for new onset psychosis. Collateral information obtained from family can be useful in reconstructing an accurate timeline related to the onset or emergence of symptoms. Consider the following information. The age and gender of the patient are important considerations when evaluating new onset psychosis. Schizophrenia equally affects men and women, but the age of presentation is different. Men typically present in the late teens to early 20s, and women present in the mid to late 20s. New onset psychosis in an individual over the age of 50 with no previous psychiatric history would be more concerning for psychosis secondary to a medical etiology and would warrant a complete medical workup. The time frame or acuity of onset of symptoms is also important to consider. Schizophrenia typically begins with a prodromal period. Prodromal symptoms frequently begin in adolescence and precede onset of psychotic symptoms. They can last weeks to months. Prodromal symptoms are characterized by gradual onset and may initially appear as subtle changes in mood or personality. 
They can also include a decline in the ability to function. Prodromal symptoms may begin with increasing irritability or social withdrawal. Other characteristic behaviors may include peculiarity of thought or behavior, newfound interest in religion, and declining school or work performance. The duration of psychotic symptoms and a description of the behaviors that the family has observed is also important considerations. The active phase of psychosis includes delusions, hallucinations, disorganized thinking, and disorganized behavior. Severe or prolonged trauma can also precipitate psychotic symptoms. It is therefore useful to know if a patient has experienced trauma. Reproductive history must also be reviewed with all females. Psychosis can frequently present in the postpartum period and puts both the mother and infant at increased risk for harm. Careful evaluation of symptoms and a risk assessment must be completed. Medical illness can also precipitate psychotic symptoms. It is vital to carefully review a patient's medical history as well as a medication list to ensure that a secondary cause of psychosis is not overlooked. A thorough physical examination and medical workup are needed when evaluating a patient with new-onset psychosis as it is important to rule out medical causes. Vital signs should always be reviewed. Laboratory evaluation includes a complete blood count, complete metabolic panel, thyroid-stimulating hormone, and urine drug screen. You can consider head imaging, such as a CT of the head, if focal neurologic deficits are present. Table 21.1 summarizes primary psychosis versus secondary psychosis. Primary psychosis is psychosis caused by psychiatric disorders, including delusional disorder, brief psychotic disorder, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, or even mood disorder with psychotic features. Secondary psychosis is psychosis caused by medical problems or substance intoxications. This can be anywhere from endocrine disorders, infectious disorders, neurologic disorders, or autoimmune disorders. If the patient's urine drug screen is positive for substance abuse, does that change your evaluation or treatment considerations? Substance abuse frequently co-occurs with mental illness. Although it can make diagnosis more difficult, it should not change treatment considerations. If there is a clear history of substance use with no prior psychiatric history, this is more suggestive of substance-induced psychosis, although this does not completely exclude primary psychosis. Both substance intoxication and withdrawal can present with psychotic symptoms. Table 21.2 will summarize various substances and the symptoms associated with their intoxication and or withdrawal for you to review. Of particular importance is alcohol and benzodiazepine withdrawal, as these can be life-threatening if not rapidly diagnosed and properly treated. Going back to the case. On evaluation, the patient states that he has been searching on the internet on how to become president. He believes that his parents have brought him to the hospital to prevent him from becoming president. He reports that he does not need to be in the hospital and that he does not have a mental illness. The patient is disheveled, agitated, and only partially cooperative. He appears to be very guarded and makes limited eye contact. On mental status examination, he is alert and oriented. Although he can answer simple questions with repeated questioning, his speech pattern is markedly disorganized and tangential. Although he denies auditory and visual hallucinations, he is noted to be internally preoccupied and responding to internal stimuli. His insight and judgment are both noted to be poor. 
He denies suicidal or homicidal ideations. He denies any history of substance or alcohol use. He does not have any known acute or chronic medical issues. Physical examination is unremarkable. CBC, CMP, TSH, and urine drug screen are negative for any significant findings. What symptoms does this patient have that suggest a psychotic condition? Patients with psychotic conditions have the presence of positive, negative, and cognitive symptoms. Positive symptoms are feelings or behaviors that are not usually present in a person without psychosis. In this patient, we see paranoid thoughts or delusions, religious preoccupation, and bizarre or hallucinatory behavior. Negative symptoms are a lack of feelings and behaviors that are normally present in people without a psychotic illness. In this case, we see poor hygiene and self-care. A very common negative symptom in patients with schizophrenia is an absence of emotion demonstrated by a flat affect. Cognitive symptoms interfere with a patient's normal thought process and ability to accurately interpret the environment. In this case, we see a disorganized speech pattern and poor executive functioning demonstrated by poor insight and judgment. What about this patient's presentation would suggest a diagnosis of primary psychiatric illness? The patient denies drug use and a urine drug screen confirms this. Medical causes for this patient are less likely as basic laboratory work and physical examination are unremarkable. Based on information obtained from family, the patient appears to have had persistent symptoms that have lasted about one month, which also makes acute causes less likely. The positive response to olanzapine and market deterioration after discontinuing suggests that he has a primary psychotic condition, such as schizophrenia. The patient also fits the typical age range for a male with a primary psychotic condition. Here's a clinical pearl. Antipsychotic medications work primarily as dopamine antagonists, and thus they work to lower levels of dopamine. So how do we diagnose schizophrenia? The DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for schizophrenia says, there must be a presence of at least one of the following symptoms. One, delusions. Two, hallucinations. Three, disorganized speech. These symptoms should be present with or without the presence of disorganized behavior, catatonia, or negative symptoms. At least two of these symptoms listed previously must occur together for at least one month. The person's level of functioning at work or school with interpersonal relationships or self-care has fallen well below the level of functioning before the onset of symptoms. The problems are ongoing for at least six months and other causes of psychosis must have been ruled out. Table 21.3 lists the time course of symptoms for various diagnoses of primary psychotic disorders. For example, if psychotic symptoms present and resolve within one month, the diagnosis would be brief psychotic disorder. If the symptoms presented for greater than one month and lasted for less than six months, the diagnosis would be schizophreniform disorder. If the symptoms lasted greater than six months, the diagnosis would be schizophrenia. Going back to the patient. The patient has been raised by his mother and father who are married. He is an only child. Developmentally, he achieved all milestones on time. He has done well in school and is currently a junior in college studying business. He is employed part-time at a package handling service. The family reports that for approximately one to two months before the onset of bizarre behavior, 
the patient had been more socially isolated. Family history is significant for an uncle with schizophrenia. Now, if you suspect a diagnosis of schizophrenia, what elements of the history would be good versus poor prognostic indicators? This patient presents with a relatively rapid onset of symptoms that are predominantly positive. He had high premorbid functioning, is male, and has an age of onset that is on the younger side. There is also a family history of schizophrenia. Table 21.4 summarizes prognostic indicators for schizophrenia. Good prognostic indicators include female gender, no family history, acute onset of symptoms, and few relapses. Poor prognostic indicators include male gender, poor social support, frequent relapses, positive family history of schizophrenia. Going back to the patient. The patient is admitted to an inpatient psychiatric unit. After evaluation, he is started on aripiprazole. The patient initially refuses to take medication and makes several attempts to escape the unit. He is frequently agitated, requires seclusion many times, and receives chemical restraint for his protection. He continues to be paranoid and reports that the hospital is involved in an elaborate plot to prevent him from becoming president. He is refusing meals and is only eating packaged food because of a fear of being poisoned. After multiple seclusions and emergency treatments, the patient becomes compliant with scheduled medication. He has a quick improvement in symptoms. He is discharged home with his family and scheduled for follow-up with an outpatient psychiatrist. The patient had expressed that he did not want to be hospitalized. What about this patient's presentation allowed him to be hospitalized involuntarily? Although laws for involuntary psychiatric hospitalization for exacerbated illness vary by state, commonalities exist. These criteria include 1. The patient reasonably represents an acute danger to self or others. 2. The dangerousness is due to a psychiatric illness. 3. The patient is likely to benefit from psychiatric hospitalization. All states have a system to allow civilians to petition for a psychiatric evaluation for a person that they believe to be psychiatrically disabled. In the case we discussed, the patient represents a risk to self and others because he caused a motor vehicle accident, exhibits poor self-care, and has agitated behavior. He demonstrates that he is impaired mentally by the presence of psychotic symptoms. His encouraging response to antipsychotics is evidence that he can be expected to benefit from hospitalization. Another clinical pearl. Antipsychotic medications carry adverse risks such as Parkinsonism, dystonia, akathisia, tardive dyskinesia, metabolic syndromes, and neuroleptic syndrome. These side effects contribute to the reasoning of why it is important to maintain autonomy if the patient possesses adequate judgment. What are some treatment challenges when treating a patient with a suspected diagnosis of schizophrenia? As in the patient, a high proportion of patients with schizophrenia have little insight into their own illness and behaviors. As many as 80% of patients with schizophrenia may deny having a mental illness. This presents challenges in treating the patient population and non-compliance with treatment is high. Many studies predict medication non-adherence to be between 25% to 50%. Even when involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric hospital, a patient retains the right to refuse treatment. In these cases, 
Medications can be forcibly given only in emergency situations when the patient is demonstrating destructive, extremely disruptive, or immediate dangerous behavior, such as hitting their head against the wall or loudly threatening another patient. If a patient continues to be a risk to self or others and refuses treatment, a practitioner may seek forced maintenance medication treatment. Laws regarding this vary by state, but generally, a reasonable effort must be made over a reasonable length of time, of course, to allow a patient to accept treatment before forced treatment can be pursued. There is evidence that insight into illness and judgment regarding future treatment improves after positive symptoms abate, which is why forced treatment can be beneficial even after discharge from the hospital. Many antipsychotic medications come in long-acting injectable forms, which can improve compliance by providing long-term treatment without a need to remember to take medications daily. Now our last clinical pearl. The treatment of choice for most cases of schizophrenia is an antipsychotic medication. However, if catatonia is present, the initial treatment is typically an antipsychotic with a benzodiazepine. Catatonia is a state exemplified by slowed, rigid movements, bizarre posturing of muscles, occasional mutism or echolalia, and extreme negative symptoms. Now for our final pearls. Based on current evidence, antipsychotic medications treat positive symptoms more effectively than negative symptoms. Negative symptoms can be persistent even when a patient is compliant with treatment and not having any positive symptoms. One antipsychotic medication, amisulpride, is suggested to provide greater improvement over negative symptoms than any other medications, but this is unfortunately not available in the United States. Paliperidone comes in a long-acting injectable that is only given once every three months, the longest interval of any antipsychotic. In order to be eligible, however, a patient needs to be maintained on the month-long version for at least four months consecutively. There is evidence to suggest that schizophrenia and bipolar disorder are related based on the genome-wide association studies that show a genetic relationship. And finally, young patients ages 16 to 30 with an episode of psychosis have a substantially greater 12-month mortality rate compared with patients without schizophrenia, up to 24 times as high. This argues for intensive clinical intervention for patients exhibiting the early stages of psychotic illness. That concludes our case discussion for today. Thank you for joining in. Again, my name is Katie Cho. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.